When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 474 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I would like to welcome back to the show Luis Mazariegos, writer for Barca Blancanas, and knower of all messy things. Welcome back to the show, Luis. Hi, uh, pleasure to be here. Well, of course, we have a lot to do today. I would have loved to, with Barcelona having had two matches since I last spoke on the podcast about the men's team, a 2-1 loss to Salta de Vigo to end the season, regular season, I should say, and then a 2 nothing friendly that happened on Tuesday over Vessel Kobe. It was a win. But now it seems like that stuff is pretty important. Those results are not important at all because this show starts and may likely end with Lionel Messi. We'll see how long it takes us to get through it. So Luis, it feels like we have a few separate things to kind of react to, both evo- emotionally, logically, and even uh, fiscally, I guess. <laughs> and the emotional reaction to Messi not returning to Barca, that is first on the table, of course. And then what that means for Messi going to Inter Miami and what that means, again, just for Messi. Then the reaction to Barca's statement about the decision, which became its own thing, of course, classic Barcelona camp Barcelona, and then what it all means for Barca in the transfer window. So I think that's kind of what's on the docket, and those right. things obviously mesh and overlap quite a bit. So let's do hit those one by one, starting again with the reaction to Messi not returning to Barcelona. Now, you're pretty in the know, and we know that like when I see on Granas. No offense to some of your, your co-contributors, but when I see report, half the time it feels like it's your name next to that, and, and I know there's a little bit of trust to it. So how shocking of, the, of a day was it for you in totality about Messi choosing to go to Inter-Miami? It wasn't entirely shocking, but because we knew that 
it's been it's for years this rumor has existed for a long long time it looks like it seems like every transfer window David Beckham was calling Messi telling him to go to Miami but at the same time there at certain points in the last few weeks we we thought okay there's a very very high chance that he will return to Barcelona or that he might go to Saudi Arabia and Miami was kind of becoming like the third option in the ranking and then at some point the other two kind of started to fade and then it was like pretty quickly it accelerated that you know Miami was going to kind of win the race so in some ways not surprising in some ways it was uh it was kind of a roller coaster and we you know different narratives different timelines different reports people saying you know it's a 90% chance there's a 40% chance of these kind of numbers that people threw around he's going to decide monday he's going to decide tuesday he's going to decide in 10 days by the end of the month it it was a little bit contradictory but you know after the dust settled uh taking a long term view it's like yeah okay miami has been knocking on the door now for at least a few years so it doesn't it's not that shocking you know it's been something they've been planning for a long time yeah I, and i can finally kind of admit that while i did not i am not privy to any special information uh, we're going to talk about mls in the next segment but for what i know of mls and some of the insiders i know at mls i didn't know if it was a matter of when that is what was unknown but rather if was kind of the the thing that was already kind of done and dusted that the if was already yes it was going to happen but it really did come down to when and this this decision was Messi's. like if barca could have made it work he was going to go to, to barcelona he we're talking about the interview he gave the sport in mundo deportivo that he, he said like it was barca if i was staying in europe it was barca that's where i was going to go and i wasn't going to do anything else and that's why into miami there was always as you mentioned over seasons now those channels of communication were set up and I can also tell you that I know we don't pay attention to other leagues. And if you're a league, you don't sign that Apple TV deal, that broadcast deal because of the arrival of Lionel Messi. But I can also say that Apple made that deal with an understanding that there was a very high likelihood that Lionel Messi would in the next few seasons, again, whether it's one year, whether it's two years, whether it's three years, would be arriving to MLS and what that would what that would mean for it. So again, we'll, we'll do that in a second. But first, it's about him not returning to Barcelona. I think that's like the big thing here. And firstly, I want to remind you too, that while the retirement tour would have been nice around all of Spain, him finishing his Barcelona career at Montjuic every week (laughs) would have been a bit odd, right? In front of those 35,000 people. And those prices, I don't think we can handle how much those were going to be. But I I mean, the bigger picture there would be the prevailing reason for him not returning. That makes the absolute most sense. And I think for me as a Kool-Aid and for me also someone who loves and supports Messi, I think the path of least resistance instead of making it all dramatic is that it was, it was, well, it was twofold. One, Barca needed to sell players first to bring him in. That, that is what La Liga said. That is what the viability plan was. Like their viability plan was approved with the idea that they were still going to sell players, but that was going to take time. And so it gets very complicated and got very complicated if A, other teams didn't want to bite. Why would other teams help Barcelona by taking the players they want to sell? And B, players dragging it out because they reasonably want to stay and play with Messi which I wouldn't fault anybody, right? It's like, do you love the club? Well, then you have to go play somewhere else and not play with Messi because we want to watch Messi. It's like, I mean, that, that's a bit, un, not to say unfair to those players, but that is what Messi believed. And so with that, he said in the interview to Sport and Mother Deportivo, he didn't want to be the reason why some players saw their time at Barca end. And you saw the reports. I mean, I mean, and you were reporting on it yourself. It truly became 35-year-old Lionel Messi, soon to be 36, the greatest player of all time and recent World Cup winner with a lot left to give, or... Ansu Fati, not and, or Ansu Fati, who was Messi's replacement as the number 10 
and a 20-year-old with a lot of potential. And I think that is totally understandable that Messi wouldn't want to have to decide Ansu's future for him and make basically make that choice and say, hey, Ansu, I do want to return. Therefore, you're out. Find a way out. You're done. And basically making the adult decision for Barcelona, Messi admitted that he was, as I said, only staying in Europe at Barcelona. It was going to reject all other offers. So I hear people are sad that Messi is not continuing his European journey. But in the same way, it was Barcelona or null. And as a Kool-Aid, why would I want it any other way? Why would I want to have to see Messi again choose another one of the, the, those case, the locations? And if he did, as I said, would Man City and Pep want him? I don't know, but they're one of the few teams that could have made it happen and just kind of you know waved their magic wand, and now he's at Man City. And to have him not renew it at PSG was kind of also told you everything you need to know because he admitted, I didn't like my two years at PSG. He did. He said it. I didn't like my time. And if he didn't like his time in Paris, making that kind of money, <laughs> I don't know where he was going to be happy in Europe. I don't know how yeah. that was going to happen. Yeah, uh, Paris is, you know, speaking about like cities that are close and similar to Barcelona, Paris is pretty, I mean, unless you talk about another city in Spain, but he's not going to play for another team in Spain for sure. If it's not Paris, there are a couple other options, but it's not like um, Manchester is more similar to Barcelona than Paris, you know, that would be kind of hard to make work too. I think that definitely, you know, they've talked about how like for him personally, for his family, even like the family dog, they had trouble like adapting to the move. And so, you know, they wanted... I thought that sounds like, what is that, a 160 pound dog? (laughs) It's a person. So uh, I think they wanted to, that's one of the reasons that, you know, people ask why he didn't wait longer. It's I think they wanted to have it under control. They wanted to have a place. They wanted to be there, you know, early. And as far as the viability plan, yeah, that's definitely the thing that I've been saying is if you're trying to sell players but everyone knows you're desperate to sell players then nobody's going to really help you out they're going to lowball you it's going to make the sales even harder and the other question is is just the the from the messy camp they thought that this whole return plan would be more advanced by now they think that it's already been delayed i mean there's the first of all there's the the thing that annoyed a lot of people that are close to him is what happened two years ago when they said it's going to work out, it's going to work out, and then eventually they said, "I'm sorry, but it's not going to work out." You know that I remember there was a report how they Messi was talking to Aguero about about taking a picture with the shirt to like put up when he signs his renewal, and that like they had it all planned and everything when they were going to take the sh- picture for the renewal, and it you know they never did it because it never came. So there was that, which is kind of the original breaking point or the original rift between his camp and the Barcelona board. And then from his camp, what we've heard is basically they thought the viability plan, you know, it was approved a few days ago, I think, but they expected it would have been approved weeks ago. They thought that the whole uh, process was delayed and it kind of gave them a bad, bad vibe, I guess. You know what I mean? Like um, they thought, oh no, it's happening again. I'm sorry, we can't you know, continue on with this. We saw this happen once. We get, we're giving you a second chance and it's not going well for Barcelona. They just, you know, I think their argument is, you know, this was out of our hands. We did everything we could. We tried. Um, these delays are not, you know, our fault, but um, you know, sometimes like I've seen people trying to find like, or pick a side or whatever. Sometimes, you know, things just don't work out. You have two parties, with different interests, trying to come to a deal, but it doesn't come to fruition. Not necessarily one person's fault or the other. I mean, people can disagree, but that's just kind of a 
the perspective I have. And I think we're going to find out a little bit more information as time goes on about what exactly happened. Like that detail about how Messi was trying to take a picture with Aguero in the in the hotel mm-hmm. uh, with the shirt. That didn't come out until like six months into him playing for PSG or whatever. So a lot of these details we don't know yet. So I don't want to say anything as well that's like, you know, might come to be come to be seen as ne- as incorrect because we just don't have the, the whole picture right now. But that's kind of my perspective is there were two parties here with different interests trying to make it work and it just didn't work out in the end. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. 
Yeah, I largely agree with that. And I think I obviously some people are going to be yelling already that we didn't say the third party and that is Liga and, and Javier Tebas. But, you know, based on the viability plan and what has come out about this, I want to, again, reiterate my stance always on that is that Tebas is poor, poorly run the Liga. Like, and that's like separate stuff that we can always get into. But I felt like with Liga's financial approval of the viability plan, it's more about Spanish bureaucracy and the how slow it takes anything related to finances in any way, in any sector in Spain, like economically, like that was always going to take forever. Every part of the Spanish economy or any checking of Spanish finances takes forever across the board. And we hear that over and over again. Like I follow a bit of Spanish politics as well. And it's the same stuff. Like it's just, it's the same stuff over and over about budgets and approvals and, and yada, yada, yada. Like when it's time to, when it's time for that siesta in the midday, shut it down. <laughs> when it's time to go home for dinner at night, shut it down. And that, and that is what seems to be a common theme. And, and not to say the Messi's camp understands that because they lived in Spain since he was an, a, a preteen, <laughs> but that's kind of the case. Or they had a full understanding of like that Spain is going to drag its feet. And the, again, those Spanish capital uh, legends of industry in, in the league board and, and Tebas, like it's just dragging their feet. And this whole thing about would Tebas not want Messi back in at two Barcelona to La Liga is insane because again, the bump that Messi provides the entire league, obviously Tebas would want to make that happen. And again, like I, I think to their credit, I guess it is, it is a principled thing about here's what the numbers are. And I will say too, that I feel like this time around, it was much more of like, even though we don't know all the numbers and the accounting of it, I think it was much more understandable. Like when you dot your I's and cross your T's and say, okay, this is what the numbers and how they had to add up and how they didn't, as opposed to last time when it kind of, again, he was on the plane and it didn't work out. And then he asked, it doesn't, it falls through. That was much more like, I don't know, that just, that pendulum was much more like a, like a shock. Like people should have known things and they didn't. And it just, I mean, that was, I mean, maybe the incompetence there was up to 10, but this one felt like a much more manageable bit of incompetence and bureaucracy, as opposed to like some nefarious fairy godmother that said, no, this is not going to happen at the last second. We're dragging our feet so that Messi has to have his heart broken. And like, I mean, that's just, I, I think that's a bit cynical, but okay. The other thing that's cynical is I think a lot of people coming out of the woodwork who've not, especially those not from the US or any affiliation with the United States about MLS, but Messi is going to MLS. And I'll say off the top, when it comes to figures coming to the US in this sport, it is Pele in the 70s, it is Beckham, and now it is Messi. And this is the biggest signing in American sports history. Like, I don't care about, I mean, yes, there was like, I mean, you can help me with this, but it's it's LeBron going to the Heat and what all that meant for actually media in general here in the United States, mm-hmm. the decision. And uh, basically, the, that was the beginning of a soap opera, like a televised soap opera of where players in the U.S. as free agents would, would go and things like that. But this it, it's not close. Like this is the greatest player of all time is arriving to play in a league with where he still has quite a bit left to have. And I think people will be cynical, too, about what MLS will do to get this done. And we've heard the reasonable things like probably sharing with Apple and Adidas, a future franchise, possibly like Beckham got, and then into Miami, bringing in Tata Martino, and basically the league moving hell and high water to make things happen. Like if he, if Messi wants Sergio Busquets, they're going to make it happen, uh, salary-wise. Luis Suarez, sources say it's possible. There is a release clause for down in, in Uruguay, so it could happen. And then, oh, sorry, in Brazil, sorry, he plays for Gremio. And then Angel Di Maria, if that's what Messi also wants, like maybe it's possible. But, you know, I don't want to get into the very confusing because I know many of our listeners don't know what GAM is or TAM is or DP rules in MLS. And I don't want to lose listeners here. But the league, like when Beckham arrived, 
may have to make decisions and potential exceptions for what is good for the nature of the league. And MLS, and to, to explain this too, MLS player contracts aren't technically owned by the individual teams like they are across Europe. They're owned by the league. The player contracts are owned by the league. So every team, and judging by the ticket prices and tickets purchased for this summer, for games that he won't even be at, yeah. every team will see a huge bump with his arrival. And this is, especially with the, with the U.S. largely hosting the 2026 World Cup and Copa America as well. I mean, this is a huge thing. So obviously, me, very biasedly, again, I am saying that <laughs> the arrival of Messi at this juncture in this point is so important for the sport here in, in, in the country that I live in as well. So now I, you know, very selfishly can say, I still get to see Messi week in and week out in a league that, as people know, you know, I do, I do watch it. And there are, I, I have affiliation to MLS. Uh, yeah, again, I watch 99% more than Kool-Aid's. And it is a part of what I do when I'm not doing this, right? Like, I, I've, been, I've been honest about that. And so, yeah, I will be watching Messi and I will be watching Barcelona. And it is, for me, obviously, very selfishly, almost the best of both worlds with this MLS <laughs> move. But yeah, I, I have my, my MLS rant and the negative stuff here. But Luis, I, I want to respond. I want to hear your response first to Messi, I mean, you're also located in Washington, D.C. So mm -hmm. what is your response to kind of Messi arriving to America? Yeah, so like you said, the, the point of comparison is Pelé and Beckham. But the difference there is, okay, first of all, Beckham, you know, was a, was a very, very good player in his day, but he's not in the realm of a Messi or Maradona or whatever. He's not, he's just not in that upper echelon of the best players ever. Now, Pelé was, but... When he moved to the U.S., he was actually kind of retired. He played some of the games in Brazil. You know what I mean? It, so he was kind of a little bit, I'm not, not going to say like he's like past it or anything, but he was semi-retired. That's basically the objective way to say it. I think he was, what was he, 34 when he made the move? And again, also 34 in 1974 right. or five with medical advances and everything 34 then was like 34 and now yeah. he's 35 is i mean who knows how much he you know he still has a lot yeah. yeah but even regardless of the age this was this is a player who was semi-retired i mean fr from his own perspective he was like i'm not going to play as much and then they kind of said okay we want you to come back out of semi-retirement and and play for us right messi won the world cup what was it six months ago now it's it's uh it's very recent he was the best player at the world cup you could argue whether or not he was the best player, you know, in Europe last last season or not. I mean, some statistical measures he was. At the very least, you could say he's in the you know top ten or whatever. You if you talked about anybody who's that good, not only has that resume of being the greatest of all time, but also currently that good. I think that combination is is way above Beckham and Pele. I think the only thing the only thing you could say is like Beckham had a lot of a uh, pop culture. Like in America, had a more of a awareness in American pop culture, you know, because he spoke English and he like dated the Spice Girls or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a big one, right? That Messi does not do stuff in English, and I don't know if that's going to change. It might, or maybe somebody's going to have to dub his voice over, like they do in those commercials. But yeah, it is that. That is like an interesting wrinkle here about Messi. Yeah, I know Apple TV is working on a like a docu series mm -hmm. on his life, which I think is going to be it's going to be pretty big, and and. Let's see. As far as adding players, I think that, yeah, I think if you're looking at Inter-Miami, the fact that they're last place in the Eastern Conference tells me that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit rough if they, if they just have add Messi to the last place team. It's going to be kind of rough sailing, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't look good, I think, for the league. I think they do need to kind of upgrade the, the, the squad. 
Some of these kind of long-time messy friends seem like pretty good choices because they, you know, they, they understand him. They, and they, they still have something left in the tank, like Di Maria, like Suarez. So I think that's that's a good choice. Although overall, like, yeah, there needs to be an, an upgrade to the squad. You can't just we're just gonna bring out all of his, you know, friends, veteran friends. I don't think that's that's enough. I don't know if if has it been confirmed that Martino is the is the new coach or no, no, no. That's just a rumor, that's a rumor, but also a very substantiated rumor. Phil Neville yeah. was just let go the right. last two weeks, so there is an interim, and also, so, so I mean, Chris Henderson has a lot of work to do. On that account, and we know that he, that being Tata Martino, he was at Atlanta United. He had a relationship with, right. um, you know, he, he was what two hours away or three hours away or whatever, and could 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 be returning. Obviously, if Messi if Messi is there, and yes, to your point, like I know people aren't they don't care about the last place team in MLS and not following this, but the reason why Busquets makes a lot of sense is Inter Miami is last on the table because their two defensive midfielders went down to long term injuries. So adding Messi actually does not only does it not solve any of the, I mean, it solves some problems. <laughs> like it, it, it's a legitimate, like the best player in the world is now entering your team and that does everything to your attack, but he still has no one to defend for him or run for him or protect him. Right. As, as Cause it's like, again, right, right now, Joseph Martinez, longtime Atlanta United player doesn't have anyone to protect him. So he, so he's been like coming off the bench because he's not completely up to it. Having like returned from an ACL injury. And so he's not like on the press or defending well at the top of the attack in a way that you're not going to expect Messi to either. And so they're like not starting him all the time because they have to find a way to protect the team and keep some solidity. So yes, I think a defensive midfielder is very quickly on the way and who is now just a free agent ready to kind of sign. And of course that is Sergio Busquets. So I can see that very well happening, especially with the fact that Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba have not yet. And I say yet, I mean, because it just happened, but they have not already signed with Saudi Arabia in a way that Conte did, in a way that Benzema did, in a way that Saudi Arabia is being very, very ambitious with trying to sign these players. And, um, and, and the, the the reunion has also been rumored for years that yeah. Messi, Alba, Busquets, and Suarez would be in Miami. I think that maybe three or four years ago was the first time I heard it, and it's certainly looking like it's possible at least that we'll get two, three, four of them, you know. Yeah, I mean, Busquets has also independently been linked into Miami now for two years. Like, I, I want to throw that out there too, like with with separate reports. Right. Okay. So I do want to do my little MLS thing here now too, because I think people are saying, "Well, oh, this is Messi basically entering semi-retirement. This is Messi really because he's leaving European football. It's like he's taking this huge step down." And I, I'm going to repeat what I tweeted out yesterday: the MLS that I'm hearing people talk about, the MLS that Barca fans think Messi is going to, and the MLS that exists in 2023 are two different things. Because Kool-Aids are thinking of MLS in 2012. And I can admit, like trying to watch some of the league back then, MLS has improved exponentially since the 2015 season. Since, what was it? I think Cincinnati and NYCFC showed up in 2015. And it wasn't because of them. But since that time, the team, the, all the teams, I mean, look at the franchise evaluations. That's a huge one. Like Beckham bought into Miami, that, that club for 25 million euros. And now with Messi arriving, it's going to be close to a billion in, in, in evaluation. And I know financial evaluation does nothing. But these clubs are valued at higher financial valuations because of, A, the potential success they have and the way that the league is growing and the opportunities that the league might have in the next five to 10 years and all that stuff. And that affects that because there is promise, financial promise being shown in the league. And I can tell you, those evaluations, the reason why you kind of almost trust them is because investors don't invest in things that they cannot believe in. Financial heads will do that, but unless they're talking to soccer people as well or football people as well, who are putting some kind of faith in the league and the growth of the league, 
they wouldn't invest in the way that they are right now. So what the way I sum it up is too, Diego Almada, who won the World Cup alongside Messi, by the way, he defines the league now as the average MLS player or the star MLS player more than Sheridan Shakiri does. Former Bayern Munich guy, Swiss international who plays for Chicago Fire, who is also not very good, by the way, the Chicago Fire. But Shakiri is the current top grocer or, or, or highest paid player. That's a better way to say that. <laughs> highest paid player in MLS. That's Shakiri. But again, I don't think he defines a league. I think he is more of the outlier now that you see in a way that 2012, you were talking about Rafa Marquez. Okay, he's ending his career. Terry Henry is winding down his career. Even David Villa had a lot to give, spent a few years, but he still was in the second phase of his career. While Messi, again, still has a lot to give. And I think the most consistent in MLS teams are full of just usually South American, but usually like young talent that will eventually head to Europe. MLS has turned itself in the last two to three years in a stepping stone league that's trying to nurture young potential talent and sell them off for big. And the majority of clubs now do that. So the idea of the retirement league is completely antiquated. And I would have loved to see Messi at Barcelona. I would have, I, I say that, but I will also enjoy him at Inter Miami. And so, and I said it before too, I'll, I'll throw shade. The people who I think are loudest with this though, so maybe I'm fighting a straw man, but the people who are loudest about saying that they won't watch Messi in MLS, well, A, a that's your prerogative, that's fine, but you also didn't watch him in Liga, but said they did. Like it, those same people, I want to say, name me 10, 10 teams in Liga, right? Because I know you're going to say Lyon and Marseille and PSG, and maybe you can get two or three others out of there, but yeah, name me 10 teams who are in Liga this year. You can't do it because you weren't watching the matches. And I, I do throw my eyes about that. So the the other the other the last thing here is the gap in quality is my biggest issue with people saying, Oh, I'm jumping off Messi, I'm not gonna watch Messi anymore, or whatever. The only argument is subscription thing. Like that I don't have Apple TV or Apple TV Plus, or it's not available in my country and I don't want to see it. So or I don't I, it's too expensive. I don't want it. That's the only totally fair one. But as far as like the gap in quality, even in European leagues, there are games that are complete stinkers. The the game itself is about skill, technique ambition. I mean, that is why people are cool. So you have players, again, not entering retirement, but players like Lorenzo Insigne, who have just, who still have some top years left in his boots as well, especially at the top, just, you know, making sure that one player can't change the balance of power in the league. I mean, he plays for Toronto FC, who are also in the bottom half. And him and Bernadeschi coming from Juventus, who's still in his like late 20s, like they have so much left to give. And yet their arrival didn't mean that those teams are going to win MLS Cup now. Like it's not these one player signings don't change franchises anymore in MLS. Like teams are deep enough, but that's like, whatever, that's not a problem. And I, I, I said it too. I watched Hadafe against Valladolid because I hate myself over the weekend. <laughs> but then I watch LAFC against another top five team in MLS. And I can tell you, I can tell you, what do you think the better game was? I can tell you what was a better game when it came to like technique and skill and again, not, I mean, ambition and, and one V one stuff. Like what game did I think was sloppier? It's a Liga game, right? And so, and I know the argument is it's the top of MLS against the bottom of the Liga, but that is where it is, where it's like you can find games across the top five leagues in Europe that you know are going to be stinkers. I'm not saying that LAFC against Seattle is anywhere comparable to Barcelona against Real Madrid or Man City against Arsenal. Like that, it's obviously you, you're not comparing the same things. Even the, the only other argument too is like the European stuff. But what I will say about Messi is that the CONCACAF Champions League that just happened over two legs between Lyon and LAFC, yeah, the ratings didn't do too great. But if Inter Miami in two years in the Champions League final in, in, in CONCACAF, even though it's against just really Mexican competition as well as like, you know, Central American competition and Canadian competition, like that, that jumps all of that forward. Like now you care about the League's Cup. Now you care about the CONCACAF Champions League. And that's what Messi does for you. It's like a chicken or the egg thing. We, you, like, why is Messi going to a place that we don't care about? Messi will make you care about that thing. 
that is the effect of Messi. And that is why I'm excited for this next phase of his career, because I think on the field, he's still going to be challenged. Like there are still enough challenges for him in MLS. And the idea that he will not be challenged and he'll just walk through and he'll score 90 goals every season. Like it, that's, that's unrealistic. That's an unrealistic thing. Yeah, no, I think for sure that it's going to, there's no way that in the modern game, even though like you might say that, uh, of course, the top five leagues are above MLS. Yeah. You know, having yeah, one... I'm not making an argument. Right. Having one player is not going to take a team that's last into first. That's just not not going to be the case. Especially when you have somebody who's... One of their main attributes is they're a playmaker. I mean, if you're making plays, but nobody's there to finish them, or nobody's finishing them well, <laughs> then you're obviously not going to not gonna win games in the way you would. I heard... I, I, there's... I think this is a rumor still, but um, there's a rumor going around that uh, Copa Libertadores, that they want to get MLS teams involved, yeah, which, which would be a, a big deal. Now they do. Of course they do. <laughs> but, but, but see, um, I think on some level, this move does mean that Messi believes in the growth of the MLS as a league because part of his payment, right, is he's getting a cut of the the subscriptions for the streaming, he's getting a future option in the, in the franchise. He's getting a cut in the merchandising, all that stuff, you know, that has some value right now, but if, if the sport grows in the U S and the league becomes bigger then the value of all that stuff also grows. So I think that's, you know, if he didn't believe that there, there was a growth opportunity, I don't think he would be taking those kinds of deals. Um, you just be saying, okay, I need the most money now, or, or that would be the, the uh, more, one of the ways to approach it, you know? So yeah, I think we're going to see a difference being made um, in terms of the reach of the league. And part, I mean, it's got to be a a huge part of it is that Messi's involved. And also there's a trajectory of growth from MLS over the last, like you said, 10 years. So that's another like part of it. And then, you know, the, the idea that we all have is that, you know, we have a a league that's been growing for 10 years. We're going to add a player who's one of the most, famous and loved people in the world and that you know it's going to explode and and i guess we'll be checking in a year from now five years from now ten years from now and see how it goes but um i think we all see kind of like the signs are there for for something special to happen yeah i would add to that too that i mean the way you consider the leagues is that like i think people saw mls as like some some older grandpa or you know an abuelo you know and and that's how they saw mls like okay players do that when it's over but no but mls is a league like the La Liga, as in you know, they started in 1929. Like they were, they were just an adult. So what does Messi's arrival like do for this full adult, as opposed to viewing it as MLS is still technically a toddler in the history of the sport? I mean, they're, they're still like again, th- their potential is so much greater than all. I mean, all these other leagues in Europe that are very established, and you you become a star in that league, and that matters for the prestige and the level of that of that league not only this prospects of that, but the 1994 world cup, even here in the U S it's what kickstarted MLS. It's what kickstarted yeah. the, the sport here in the country. So, I mean, that's my whole thing. Again, uh, I know uh, a lot of my listeners are not American, so I know you don't care about this, but I'm, I'm talking about it from like, I care about Messi's future. And to me, again, I'm going to watch the heck out of Barcelona. I'm going to watch MLS and I'm going to enjoy all of it. And so I'm, I kind of just like rubbing in everybody's face that I have, the, <laughs> I have the, the, the privilege of being able to enjoy both. But if you're saying, no, I don't want to watch MLS because it's a terrible league. I just like, I just, I don't know. Like, you have to trust me. If you listen to this show this much, just trust me that, like, the level is not so much worse and Messi is going to enhance all of it. And now MLS clubs are going to be willing to spend a lot more money. And that is really the most important thing, too. These owners in MLS who don't want to spend money, Messi's arrival is going to be lucrative for them. So if you don't want to spend money now that Messi's there 
for your team to compete with his team, then sell the team because now your team is worth a billion euros because of Messi. <laughs> so yeah. just sell the team, get somebody else who's going to actually pay money to make this, this league more competitive. And MLS will have the financial might to be able to, again, grow slowly as opposed to, again, I don't want to disparage the Saudi Arabian League, but you see what they're doing. They're spending a lot of money at the top to grab these star names and to make these make their league attractive because of Ronaldo and Benzema and using these players who are in the final phase of their career to make their league watchable, which is different. And MLS has been building over 20 years, knowing that people aren't going to watch it through depth, through young talent, through trying to their academies. Like, I mean, basically MLS academies are 10 years old or less. Some of them are two years old, three years old. Right. And it takes a long time for academies. It, Barcelona's academy was 1979. It, and dated back to the 50s in some way with player recruitment. But it took, yeah. what, 30 years for uh, the La Masia to, to kind of come to fruition? And um, the other thing is the Copa America and World Cup in, in the U.S. in the next uh, four years or three and a half years, whatever it is. I guess it's now three years. Yeah, three years. Um, we're going to see the two big tournaments ending with the World Cup. I think that I think it's it's pretty certain that Messi's going to play in Copa America and we don't know about the world cup, but I think that being already here could give him a, a little bit of um, advantage in the, you know, later stages of his career. And also obviously that helps with the, the uh, with the topic we were talking about before, which is the growth of the sport in the country. Well, you have the, you know, the greatest player ever comes here and then you have two big tournaments. And the good thing about them too, is that they're scheduled in, in uh, increasing order of importance. So you have, you know, all the time to kind of build it up. This is kind of step one, Copa America step two, World Cup step three, and it's building up towards that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally understand, you know, on the other hand, like, you know, the top five leagues is the pinnacle of club football. And I, I, I totally get why, you know, him leaving that and he, thinking that he prob- probably will never play another top five European league game again i mean it's it's um it's kind of the end of an era so i totally understand that i think another part is that people want to talk about like records and the messi ronaldo comparison and like for example i know that messi has one less assist than ronaldo in the champions league so it's like if he had stayed at at psg or whatever one more season he's probably passing him some people really really care about that and mm-hmm. they're going to put it in their Twitter argument. And that's like, they're, they're losing that, 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 that element of the Twitter argument or whatever. The player himself, he does not care about that at all. I think okay. the, one thing I will say that, the one thing I will add to that is that Terry Henry went to Red Bulls for a few years and then winds up having that loan to Arsenal to say goodbye. And David yeah. did the same thing to PSG. I don't think the door is completely closed. And now actually this is a perfect transition to the Barca statement thing. That door is not completely closed for some kind of way to him to, for him to say goodbye. There is, because this is going to be a shock to a lot of people who don't care about MLS, their season runs February to, to November. So it is a different calendar, right? And that is how those loans happened. So there is, I, I'm not completely shutting the door on Messi getting, even next season, some kind of six-month loan while MLS is not playing, right? That it might be, or might even cross over with a month or two of MLS. Because Inter Miami is definitely going to be like, yeah, if you want to, if you were to spend two months of the season, it's eight months long in Barcelona, you know, saying goodbye. Okay, you know, I mean, like, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the chance to say goodbye. But yeah, let's do that Barca statement here because I, it was one of those things where I, I'm not going to overdo it or get like over dramatic about it. So I'll read, I'll read some of them and let you react. On Monday, June 5th, this is coming from the club statement. 
Jorge Nessie, the player's father and representative, informed club president Juan Laporta of the player's decision to join into Miami, despite having been presented with a proposal from Barcelona in consideration of the desire of both FC Barcelona and Lionel Messi for him to once again wear Blagrana. Pre- president Laporta understood and respected Messi's decision to want to compete in a league with fewer demands, further away from the spotlight and the pressure he has been subject to in recent years. Both Juan Laporta and Jorge Messi also agreed to walk to get work together to promote a proper tribute from Barca fans to honor a footballer who has been, is, and will always be beloved by Barcelona. Yeah, that... They could have they could have worded that a bit better. They could have worded that a bit softer. It felt like they were deflecting. How do I say it? It felt like they were deflecting blame that I don't feel like they have to deflect. Like again, like as I said, it's really easy to understand the timeline and why Messi would want to make his decision known now. And like I felt like Barcelona were defending somebody they didn't have to defend. Like I don't why do you why do you have to do that? You don't have to. Like, yeah. No one's it, yelling at you. No one's blaming you. It came across like they were sniping at him or salty, like they were saying. He couldn't take the pressure, so he has to leave. Something like that. I don't think that's a hundred percent what they meant to say. Right. And and I think Messi said something along the lines of like, I'll 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 take it a little bit more calm here. Something like that, which I didn't necessarily mean. Okay, I'm, I'm moving away from Europe because um, I'm looking for less demanding whatever. I got it wasn't like that. Um, and I don't think that the state or I hope that the the point wasn't to snipe at him. Or maybe it wasn't as hard. Maybe their intention wasn't as harsh as it came across. But um, I just don't get why you would even open yourself up to that at all. Well, there was I, the proposal part of it. It was the mixed messages on the proposals that Barcelona is saying that they presented him with a proposal, and his camp basically said, "Yeah, there was a proposal, but like it was not a proposal that was possible or happening." Right? right? It was like it was an it was an un it was an incomplete proposal, right? And and, it was and that like was unofficial. Yeah, I think it was basically it was an unofficial proposal because it's a it's a proposal where it's like we promise you that this will happen, but um, it's not okay. So you sign it, and now it happens. It's it's based on entirely on kind of like do you trust us? Which is basically yeah. Can we can we shoot Ferentores into the sun? Because if we can, then then yeah, then you can sign on that line. It's going to work perfectly. But right, like Ferentores is like, hey, what's happening to me? Right, and he's just like, <laughs> so I could just imagine him standing outside the door and, and being like, well. I mean, are you really gonna? <laughs> what? How soon am I going? Like, am I already? You're sending me out the door, and I don't even have a club yet, right? But, but, but that's right. the plan. So, speaking of Ferran Torres and Barca's transfer window, though, I think this is the last kind of related to that stuff, and it's what does this all mean for Barca's transfer window? Because, to me, that is where kind of this whole thing was built. Where even in the macro sense, I was very me, as in I was very fifty fifty, and I didn't commit to whether or not him returning in the long run was good for the club. Him in the short term returning the club, obviously great because he's still the best player in the world, right? But in the long term, what was that going to mean? And I mean, and we went back to the first part of this. There was an almost an admittance from everybody that Ansu Fati was getting kicked out of the club so Messi could come. Like we can almost say that like in full voice. And so is that for the betterment of the club? Like again, in the short term, replacing Messi for Ansu Fati, I mean replacing Ansu Fati with Messi in the current club is obviously in a gigantic upgrade. But is that best for Barcelona in the future to get rid of your 20-year-old number 10? you know, for a year or two to, to hope that, yeah, you get some kind of glory. Obviously, if they'd won the Champions League next year, it would have changed everything. But the other question is, could this squad have won the Champions League with Messi? I don't know about that. And so you put on the trajectory, you know, again, what we now know financially, even about big transfer stuff, I don't mean to be boring about the transfer window rumors. And, you know, I'm going to spend the next few weeks doing that. But it seems to me that the team may largely stay the same. And Kool-Aid should kind of prepare themselves for that. Because anyone going out and players can refuse to, to leave will likely just be replaced by somebody, almost a one-for-one swap. So to explain it financially, Barca's salary limit 
is lowering to the point where Busquets, Alba, and PK leaving merely allows them to again basically get to zero zero, uh, to zero rather, as in a one v one, as in every dollar you 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 shipped out, you get to spend one dollar, as opposed to the four to one where you have to ship out four dollars for every one you spend because you're over the limit. So it seems like them le- the the legends leaving allows them to get almost back to that one for one, but to do business. To do green business, they need to sell players that are still around. So Gundogan, Vita Roca, a pivot, a right back, nothing. And I mean, nothing is certain. Inigo Martinez is probably on the way for like 3.5 mil a year, which again, it's not hard to do that math. You could say, okay, whatever, Lingley leaving pays for Inigo Martinez. Like that's it. But deals will get done throughout the summer. But I guess, you know, good for us on the content front, sure. But it's going to take a little bit of time. And we'll, to, to say any big deals are getting done, like anything you hear about Vita Roca coming next week or Gunigan coming next week. No, like, again, it's a reminder, like to get them not even the transfer fees because Gunigan will be a free transfer, but to actually sign players and register them because registering is the important part. It's not signing. Registering these players under your salary cap limit is not possible unless other players still leave. And, and that is just what has to happen. And, and that is, again, why Messi wasn't able to be signed now. Because, again, if you could get Gundogan next week, that means you could have had Messi in the same way, right? Even if but Messi was probably going to command a higher salary and da-da-da-da-da, but yeah. you get the point. Well, I wonder if, if they're talking to any of them and, and giving them the same kind of proposal of, mm. like, we can sign you. We can't promise, like, we can't register you yet, but we promise that we will be able to, which obviously Messi, that wasn't enough for him. But, you know, everyone... Every person has their own kind of situation in life, so I don't know if how they how other people would see it. I mean, I think if you're um if you're a star player like a Gundogan, you might not agree to that. But maybe if you're a kind of up and coming player, this might be your chance to get a big move. You'll say, okay, yeah, let, you know, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to to yeah. kind of to gamble or whatever and see what happens. I know Shavi talked about. I think he talked about four signings. He, I know he talked about a. Another pivot, a right back, forward, and maybe it was. Do you remember? I don't know. He talked oh, I about. He said he, he was coming out to Santi Cazola, I mean, kind of saying a player like that. So kind of that, basically that that Bernardo Silva going to okay, get right. kind of that midfielder. I think was kind of what he meant. Like another, basically another player to do what Pedri is asked to do, literally every minute of every game that he is healthy. And to to that end, like I also bring up that like the tactical part of this is that. I didn't want to have to answer what happens to Pedri and Gabi with Messi arriving. Like what happens to that Barcelona midfield with Messi arriving? Because again, as much as he would have solved problems by being Messi. And I, you just say that, like you just, you can easily say like Messi solves problems because he is Lionel Messi, but also what tactical issues and what other development would have been stunted because of his arrival. Like the best player Barca has in that high right interior role, if they're going to go with that box midfield again, and who knows if they do, because they did that also to suit Busquets and, and De Young. But again, to get the best out of De Young, you maybe want to keep going along with that box midfield. And that means that Pedri is your high right interior, and that's where he is best in that system. And Xavi also said it today. He was very complimentary saying of Pedri, when that guy has the ball at his feet, Xavi is calm. Like you're calm because you think things are going to happen. And he even said today that instead of making 70 to 80 passes, which is what Pedri averages, he wants him to make 100 to 110 passes. That's how he knows that Pedri is making the proper impact on the game. So like by having Messi play the same position as Pedri coming next year, I don't know what that would have done to the tactics and the structure and and all those things. And it's almost best that Barca don't have to answer that question at all. Yeah, definitely when Pedri went went injured for for a few weeks, you could really see how much they missed him and how much they didn't have another 
player, or at least not one that was developed enough in you know Xavi's mind to to play these big games. And they kind of went through a while where it was like a one nil kind of wins where you had few chances and you really depended on on scoring one of them to win because you're really missing like that final ball and kind of that you know that that ability to play through balls that kind of thing that Pedri gives you so yeah and, and I do agree like we're not really it's not um it would take a, a creative solution to, to fit like uh, Lewandowski, Messi, Pedri, Gavi originally the plan was to keep Busquets right so it would have been also Busquets in there um, so all these guys, they don't. It's not like when when you think of a formation, right? That those kind of players all together is not what springs to mind. You would kind of have to come up with a creative solution, which I guess Chevy felt like he had, which is why he said, "I want Messi. I want him. I I can make it work." But you know, maybe it wouldn't have worked. We don't really know. So I guess we're avoiding that question, you know, for better or worse. I do think that. Him, you know, Messi coming back would have been financially would have helped the team in terms of like, and one of the things they wanted to do with like signing Lewandowski last season was keeping uh, the image of Barcelona as like the top or one of the top teams. Yeah, they had bad results or whatever, a lot of stars left, but we signed Lewandowski who was, you know, uh, recently been the best player according to FIFA, that kind of stuff. So it kind of uh, helped with the team's prestige and image a lot. I think that it was another portion of this for Messi. Um, and I think that they wanted to to kind of right the wrong and give... Because that when the last when he last left, it, it left like a bad image of him. Um, he never got his final goodbye. I think they wanted to, to, to right that wrong too, but that it was commercially in terms of prestige and image and everything like that. Would have also been good. I guess, like you said, there's still a chance that he could get a loan at some point. But at least for now, it doesn't seem like it's happening. So yeah, right. And but I would okay. The, the last thing too, I, I will add to that, like the idea of prestige and whatever. It's that like Lewandowski and Kunde and last summer, like those levers were pulled. And again, anyone's ever been to Barcelona, players will always still want to come to Barcelona. Like there is the pull of Real Madrid and Barcelona is always going to be the pull of Real Madrid and Barcelona. Like those clubs, like that is one that the players still dream of coming to those clubs. Like go to go into any South American, like just like uh, any South American Academy and go, what is your dream club? Like what, like six of the 12 kids are going to say Real Madrid. Three of the 12 kids are going to say Barcelona. And then the other three are going to be like Manchester United or Man City or, or PSG or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, like I even scolded my neighbors that they were kicking the ball outside and they were wearing PSG stuff. And I was like, why are you wearing that? <laughs> and they were like, "Well, oh, you know, messy there. And I was like, oh, well, I've got good news for you. <laughs> you can throw away your PSG stuff. But anyway, so in the end, let's just, we can be very definitive. Is this the best, Luis? I'm putting you on the spot here. Is this the best for Barcelona and Messi? I, I don't know. You know, um, I was thinking about this, that if you had put these, if I was Messi and I was to make a choice, you know, I would have picked Barcelona. But honestly, I'm not him. And uh, one of the reasons people like Messi is because he's different. Do you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a lot of people thought this is a bad choice or this is the wrong choice. But, you know, you can't put yourself in those shoes. Uh, it's a totally different, you know what I mean? You're Like, you're you. You're not someone like that at all. And like I was saying, I think part of it is a part of re- reason people like Messi is because his personality and the way he, he sees things is very different than the way that a, that a 
even like a lot of the greatest sports stars see things like you hear that a lot and the fact that he chose like an unconventional route or one that a lot of people wouldn't pick you know maybe that's what that's why he's him and you're not him you know what i mean like maybe we'll i mean we'll see but in five to ten years maybe you'll we'll look back and think this is a master stroke you know what i mean I mean, and, if Barca win the Champions League in two years' time, right? Like, it's there's no complaints from anybody. And Messi's still playing around and still kicking a ball. It's not like he's gone from our lives. Like, yeah, watch highlights. And that's all thing about the Apple TV stuff. Even if you don't have it, Messi highlights are going to be available for you. And I can tell you, they're going to be high for you in in the highest quality, quietest quick uh, picture quality. Those Apple the Apple highlights. And it is funny too because I, with the retirement of Zlatan, I was thinking about those two and how. I know that people say it's Ronaldo and Messi, right? Those two are always, you know, linked. But Zlatan is interesting because he is a bit older than Messi. But the way he is linked to Messi, the way that he's gone about his career as opposed to Messi is so interesting. Like they were together at Barcelona. It didn't work out for Zlatan, obviously, because Messi was there. And they were just, it was just this polar thing that was, they were magnets that had to push away from each other. But Zlatan also came to MLS, to the LA Galaxy on the other coast. And there's this weird... There's this poetic, you know, just like this dance of this parallel trains between Messi and Zlatan. But you're right, like Zlatan's personality and the aura and everything and his choices and reasons to come to MLS seem to be the complete opposite of Messi's in every single way. It just seems like every decision they made were similar, but in all the same ways different. Like they both were like, like, again, Messi came from the Academy of Barcelona, wanted to play at Barcelona. Zlatan chose to play at Barcelona, was like, yeah, I want to play for Barcelona. <laughs> then he didn't very quickly, right? And it's just like the parallels are, are so interesting to me. And, and so the last thing here is speaking of saying goodbye before we kind of say goodbye to, to Messi and all this stuff and put this, I mean, we, he'll probably slip in there sometimes on the show. Don't worry. Messi's <laughs> he's not, uh, it's not an off-limits name here on the show. But the end of an era, I think, is a nice little transition to talk about Iniesta saying goodbye to the game in the friendly, just to touch on that for a sec. It was just a friendly on Tuesday, but I did like what I saw from Pablo Torre, Pau Prim, and Mark G. And I was kind of fine with, like, it wasn't a negative for me because it was a friendly and all that. I was fine with Julian Araujo, Hector Fort, and Unai Hernandez, and Danny Rodriguez, what the, who also started the game, what they showed. I think Julian Araujo would be the talking point for next year because this was his debut. He hadn't played in a few months. Again, I was very apologetic of him because, I mean, literally, he has not played. He's just been in a bunch of pictures <laughs> and, uh, you know, celebrating trophies. And so for him to kind of have to jump out there when everyone else was kind of not say in form, but basically, yeah, ending their season. Like Lewandowski and Ansu Fati looked really sharp in that game because again, mm-hmm. they were just playing in a Liga campaign. They were just playing to win Liga trophy. Um, and I know the last few weeks have been a level down, but either way. And then since Pablo Torre is going on loan, there was a chance that none of these players that we saw are in the first team at all next season. But also they could all appear for the first team someday. Like there's a possibility that all the seven names that I mentioned are a part of the first team four or five years from now. Like there, there is a world where that happens. And, you know, likely it's not going to happen for all of them because Rene Hernandez, Pablo Torre, Danny Rodriguez, Gabi, Pedri, in theory, they all play and occupy two positions. And Alex Garrido, I didn't even mention because he's with the uh, Barca Athletic in the moment. So like you have a lot of young players and also Xavi wants to get Gundogan, right? They also want to get world-class players at the same position. So not everybody is going to work out, but, in particular, I was very excited what I saw from Pablo Torre, and I was very excited what I saw from Pau Prim, especially. And maybe that's bias. I want the pivot to do well, but you know we've heard some big things about him. But I love how quickly he released the ball. I love how quickly he turned on the ball, and I like that even though Vissel Kobe was not pressing and putting him under the same physical duress, like they weren't physical with him. He obviously needs to bulk up, but he is just seventeen. So who knows what the next year or two will take his body? 
But like to me, the decision-making process and how quick he made the decisions, those are the kind of things that excite me about Gobbies, about Pedris, about 16 and 17-year-old kids. If they know what to do and make those decisions quickly, while physically it might never come, it also might, right? Like a few years in the weight room, it might happen for them. And the quickness of which he made those decisions, regardless of the press and the opponent, is really what make, what excite me about him more than anything else. Dore is, is, I think, the closest in the squad they had last season to Pedri, right? Because I was talking about like they needed somebody mm-hmm. who could kind of play through balls a little bit. He's obviously not at that level. And yeah, I think right he, a year on loan might do him good because he didn't play very much this season. I kind of felt like he wanted he definitely wanted to play more this season or maybe he expected that. I think Xavi said something along the lines of, you know, if I was Pablo Torre, I'd be saying, or what, what would I say if I was Pablo Torre about Xavi? You know, he, he's been unfair with me. I totally understand that I haven't played enough. So that's, that's one of the, that's one of the players you talked about in uh, Pau Prim. Um, yeah, I think, I think he definitely has potential. Uh, Barca have produced a lot of kind of pivots that are the young, the kind of hyped and they haven't really delivered since Busquets. <laughs> So, you know, Busquets made that huge uh, leap from the B team to the senior team and won everything and everything. And we felt like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the academy just produ- will just produce one like that <laughs> every three years or whatever. And, I, you know, every, every few years you hear about a new one and you think maybe this is the new Busquets. I mean, we had another, literally a new Busquets, uh, uh, Oriol Busquets, right, who was hype, hype, play the same position. And then it, it kind of never came to pa- I mean he's still young so who knows but at the very least in in, in the short to medium term it never came to, to well, pass this guy's got hurt quite a bit like his same thing with Sergio Samper both yeah. those guys when they were 19 years old they were I think they missed that year completely yeah they, they could not ever get healthy long enough to to you know to, to reach that potential but I'm not excusing them but yeah to your point like I, yeah, I well, you never know what's going to happen that's I guess that's what I'm saying like right. yeah a, a bad injury at the wrong time can totally kind of derail your 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 progress I mean with some better like it wasn't just if I remember correctly it was kind of a series of injuries he he really oh, couldn't sure. yeah. every loan could, was destroyed the Granada loan he goes down every time he even like stepped into a starting lineup that was the, the end of him because players some players just aren't built for like the professional physical toll that yeah so you you never know that and and that's one of the that's one of the variables of like become of taking that leap is like um can your body take this leap into a higher level of competition and some people just it it just can't you know and yeah. uh we never know um so i think there's definitely a lot of promise but i you know i wouldn't i i have i just made me think of that the many many attempts to replace busquets and and how highly rated some of these people are and it just never came to pass for whatever reason. Sometimes just injuries, bad luck, whatever it is. I mean, to Sean's um, point, like, I think that another little wrinkle of this, why it's so difficult to replace a pivot, well, is one, as I always mention, that Busquets was never out for a long amount of time. Like, Busquets is always healthy, always playing 90 minutes, and always a safety valve that managers, obviously, if you're Ernesto Valverde, if you're anybody, Tata Martino even, 10 years, like, you don't want to replace Busquets because... Why would you take a chance on a youngster when you just you, you have to win these games? Like so you're going to go with the guy that's available and doing what he's doing and able to play 90 minutes. And the other thing is too, like the pivot is a position where you cannot make mistakes. Like the pivot is a position where you're either messing up or you're or you're just kind of not talked about, right? Like that is what a pivot performance is. It is a neutral performance, or if you mess up. And what do young players do? Young players mess up. The managers like Xavi, again, like he's he also said in that same press conference that like we don't want to play in the Europa League anymore. We want to play in the Champions League. 
if those are the stakes to get it to get to the knockouts of the Champions League, you it's hard to say, okay, we're going to take some lumps with this pivot, with this 18-year-old or 19-year-old or 20-year-old pivot. And that's not just Barcelona. It's everywhere. Like, look at look at Chuamani. Chuamani did not really feature for Real Madrid this year because even though he was a star for Monaco, I thought he was the best defensive midfield prospect to be signed in the last two years. And yet, and yet, he finds himself regularly on the bench. Got a little hurt too, but regularly finds himself on the bench because he could not be trusted by Ancelotti for a Champions League run and even to contend in the Liga Yet, and he is 22 years old and was more than physically and more than technically ready to play in the Liga and Champions League. And yet, and yet, he still wasn't ready for the level of Real Madrid to be their their pivot or their, you don't know, or one of their defensive midfield cogs in his first year at the club. I mean, and that is so telling to me. So, yeah, of course, Pau Prim was exciting, but also, of course, that all of these players, a lot of patience is needed. And, and I, I feel like, again, after a friendly, it's really easy to be apologetic, but at, to the point of Pablo Torre, too. I was, again, very happy to see when the other team, when he doesn't have to defend, just how good he can be. Because that's the problem. We know that's the problem. If he doesn't have to defend and get in that shape, then Pablo Torre, you give him time and space and control on the ball. Xavi said it too. There's nobody in the, the team better at set pieces than him. Marcus Alonso, Rafinha, nobody. You get, I mean, he's the one who delivered the corner for Eric Garcia. He made Eric Garcia look like a monster in the air. He made him, he made Eric Garcia look like Rangel Van Dyke. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, that is a compliment enough. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Patience, that's the key. Can't put too much expectation on them. Definitely need some development, maybe, like you said, alone, or maybe just in some of these cases, like in the academy before they, they're really um, ready to take on big responsibilities. You know, some some players can skip you know, straight from the academy into the senior team more quickly than others. And for some, you know, that kind of skip has been negative for them. So it, it, it really depends. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, there's still a lot of questions for this offseason, which is fun. Uh, again, even if Barcelona financially can't afford anybody, at least that friendly gave you some perspective about some of the people you could see in preseason. And again, who knows, right? Gabi was 16. Ansu was 16, Pedri was 16, or yeah, 16 coming from Las Palmas. Like you never know. Like if they're if they're young enough, I mean if they're good enough, Xavi doesn't care if they're young enough and they play. So who knows? Like Pau Prim might be better than we think, and the physical questions about him aren't a real thing. Because again, Pedri looks like he weighs nine pounds soaking wet and physically he can handle it. So I mean maybe maybe they can. Who knows? Anyway, Luis, you are a rock star here. While we do say goodbye to Messi, certainly the greatest player in FC Barcelona and world football history, will be spoken about many a time here on the podcast, especially since, again, I'll be watching him and he'll be uh, in the back of my mind. But Luis, for you, where can people find you and uh, continue to enjoy your good work? Uh, sure. Just so BarcaBlaugranes.com. Uh, also, you can find me on Twitter, which is uh, LuisM8989. That'll be in the show notes below. It's don't you don't have to remember the numbers. It's down in the show notes below. Click on his name, follow through, okay. give him a follow on Twitter, of course. Not making it easy on us. So again, yeah, well, definitely worth the follow. Uh, so yeah, again, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the Boston Pod, TikTok, Facebook group, Patreon, YouTube. You know where to find us. Again, there's a lot of stuff planned for the summer as Barcelona. I mean, we're only six weeks away from the preseason first friendly. So yeah, strap in. It'll be a fun one. It'll be a roller coaster. But uh, again, thanks so much to Elise for joining the show. Sure, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to you again, listeners, for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Or the Barcelona. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.